Welcome to the Retail Transformation Show with me, Oliver Banks. This is your weekly podcast, delivering you the insight, ideas, and inspiration to successfully change and transform in our ever-evolving world of retail. Enjoy listening. Well, hello, and a very warm welcome to the Retail Transformation Show. My name is Oliver Banks. I'm a transformation specialist working with retail leaders to help transform business models and operating models, driving an improved customer experience and a boost to the bottom line. I'm a LinkedIn top voice for retail, a recognized retail and retail technology influencer from across the world. And I'm also the author of the upcoming book, Driving Retail Transformation, How to Navigate Disruption and Change out in March 2024. Thank you so much for tuning in today. This one is episode 269, number 269. And as we draw to the end of the year, I find it useful to look back and think about all of the shifts and evolutions that we've seen in our retail industry over the past 12 months. And so today we're taking a whistle-stop tour over the past 12 months picking out some of the most intriguing and interesting and critical stories from the world of retail. Now, of course, I can't pick everything. There's so much going on. But if you are keen to keep in touch more with the retail industry, then the best place to do that is in my Retail Transformation Briefing, my weekly email newsletter where I'm pulling out key headlines, anywhere between about five to ten headlines per week, and analysing the impact that they are going to have for the retailer in question and the retail industry, and therefore for you as well. You can sign up for free for the Retail Transformation Briefing over on the show notes, which today you're going to find at obandco.uk slash 269, where you'll also find a bit of a refresh of all of the stories, plus a few extras from today. So head on over obandco.uk slash 269. So let's rewind 12 months and starting in January 2023. And interestingly, in this month, we saw lots of trials starting for more autonomous deliveries. Asda, Ocado and Walmart in particular. In the UK, both Asda and Ocado independently were reported to be testing self-driving vans and vehicles across London. Now, the whole self-driving vehicle trend is a huge global trend being driven by technology and the evolution of technology, of course. But seeing this coming into the, in particular, the grocery delivery space was really interesting. And actually, we've seen these trials develop over the course of the year. And whilst they're not there yet, we've still got challenges around needing safety drivers, for example as well as how to help customers access their orders once the actual vehicle gets towards the customer's home, it does demonstrate another level of automation on this whole e-commerce experience. And as we look to drive profitability in e-commerce and e-commerce operations, the advent of self-driving vehicles brings both the cost efficiency, operational flexibility, and potentially safety as well. Meanwhile, in the US, Walmart launched their drone delivery service to customers in four cities and the surrounding areas. 
22 different stores took part in this trial. And since we've again seen this trial expand both directly from Walmart as well as more and more companies starting to take drone deliveries seriously. Again, like the self-driving vehicles, technically it's not there for the mass market just yet, but it's not too far away either. So three really interesting developments there showing the automation of the last mile for deliveries. As we move into February, we switch the focus onto Amazon. And actually, in London, they decided to make the move for their latest fresh stores to expand beyond their just walk out technology. And they fitted their stores with traditional checkouts. Now, this was a really interesting move because Amazon's typical customers in their Go or Fresh stores have been able to scan in using their Amazon account, pick up their groceries and, of course, just walk out. But this latest development looked to reduce that friction of needing to scan in and avoiding some of the privacy concerns that some customers have. And this whole movement of opening up the checkouts is really there to offer customers choice. Some customers want to have that friction-free shopping trip, get in, get out and get on with their day. Other customers want to have a bit more engagement with store colleagues. They perhaps don't want everything tracked to their account or perhaps they don't have an Amazon account. But it's really all about choice and flexibility and letting the customer be in control of how they want to shop, not saying, you shall shop this way. So well done to Amazon there for being flexible and for trying something new, although the technology does exist to do something, shall we say, more advanced. On the topic of checkout options, it was also interesting to see in February that in the Netherlands, the supermarket Jumbo opened a special slow checkout lane. Now, this is a checkout lane that allows you, and in fact, encourages you as a customer to have a chat with the cashier, engage in conversation. And it's signposted to set that expectation so that you don't end up as a shopper in a hurry, <laughs> getting behind a, a chatty customer, right? So it allows customers the choice to have that deeper engagement with a store colleague, but also offers other customers the choice to avoid that checkout lane if they want. As you may know, during 2023, I started a LinkedIn newsletter called Retail by Numbers, where we look into important topics around the world of retail inspired by a particular number or statistic. And checkout choice was absolutely one of those articles. So head on over to the show notes page today, and I'm going to put a link in there for you to find out more. So the show notes are at obandco.uk slash 269. Scroll on down to February and you'll find that link to the article. In March, we're heading over to the world of Walmart once again. And in particular, their decision to close a metaverse space on Roblox, which was called the Universe of Play. Now, this closure happened just around six months after they opened it. And this particular metaverse site was targeted for children, yet Walmart came up against claims of unwanted ads and challenges around privacy. But what's really interesting about Walmart here is they have continued to experiment with the metaverse. Over the course of the year, lots of people challenged the whole idea of the metaverse, saying it's useless, etc., etc. 
I personally feel that the metaverse is just too early right at the moment. But it's a bit like e-commerce was years and years ago, where everyone would say, oh, we're not going to order things online. You know, can't access online from a dial-up internet connection, etc., etc. Suddenly, technical barriers disappear, culture evolves, and suddenly we're all doing online shopping highly frequently. And maybe the metaverse will develop in this same way. I personally think it will do. But like I say, we're very early on in that adoption curve right at the moment. But it's therefore important, and I applaud Walmart for this, it's important to be experimenting and taking a real test and learn approach. Recognize when things are working or are not working and adjust accordingly. And we've seen loads of different companies starting experiments around the metaverse. And whilst it may not pay off this year or next year, perhaps, that learning, that experience, and even that community that you're building will be worth it in the long run. So let's move on to April. In April, inspired by an earlier move from Tesco, we saw a huge number of companies in the UK changing their loyalty schemes. Companies like Morrison's, Sainsbury's Boots, and the co-op all decided to use their loyalty scheme to offer discounted member-only prices rather than just loyalty points. Tesco, like I say, led the way with their club card prices, which actually started back in 2019. But this move in April, seeing lots of other retailers swapping to this member-only pricing, was of course inspired by the current cost of living crisis where the concept of your classic loyalty points was less valuable to consumers compared to everyday low prices. But for retailers, we know the data from these loyalty schemes is hugely valuable. And just offering everyday low prices to everyone means that more and more customers are not going to use that loyalty card. So the member-only pricing is a smart way to still collect the data and understand the customers and the shopping behaviours, whilst also delivering value to customers to give them a reason to get that loyalty card out of the purse, the wallet, or even sign up for it in the first place. But this switch gives me a couple of thoughts. One, are we going to see an eventual decline of member-only prices as the economy picks up and the cost of living crisis dissipates? Will we go back to traditional points-only prices? especially as you've got authorities in the UK investigating to see whether it is fair to consumers to offer specific prices available to a subsection of members. Is that discriminating? So it'll be interesting to see what that finds out. But it also makes me think, actually, we cannot, with the loyalty scheme or any other proposition, we cannot get into a place where we proverbially set and forget, right? We can't dictate, right, this is how a loyalty scheme works. It's going to work that way forever. We need to remain agile. We need to evolve it as the shopping experience evolves, as competitors evolve, as customers evolve, right? And as we start to think about some of these subscriptions like Amazon Prime, as a great example, how will that evolve? It offers free shipping and Prime Video, etc., etc., right at the moment. But will we see that evolve into maybe member-only pricing? Will we see that evolve into sustainability initiatives? Who knows where we'll go in the future? It'll be interesting to see how companies like Amazon continue to aim to deliver value for customers in exchange for their loyalty. Right, into May. 
and we're going to stick with Amazon for just a moment. And this is quite a quiet story, but a really interesting one for me personally. And we saw Amazon start a interactive Shop the Look store for their new Prime Video series called Citadel. Now, viewers slash Prime subscribers, right, (laughs) could choose a character or an episode or even be inspired in a particular scene and be able to see the different pieces of clothing, jewellery, accessories and makeup that was on set there and then. So you could be inspired and really shop the look in real time. And so as you chose to shop the look, you got access to exclusive products used in the show, as well as similar items with a range of prices and even store branded merchandise as well, if you're a fan of the Citadel brand. Now, the link was easy for viewers to click on whilst watching, either on a smart TV or on a more traditional computer and browser. But it was a little bit clunky. So I suspect as time continues, we'll see a closer integration and most likely going across the different channels, right? You know, think about watching and then accessing the Shop the Look on your app at the same time. I think we'll see this closer integration to, in a way, commercialize the TV and movie production that in particular Amazon are getting into. And as we see other subscription packages like Walmart Plus, for example, with a TV option, again, a great opportunity to blend commerce and content, which will help turn fans into customers and loyal customers at that. In June, retailers continued to feel the squeeze from a shoplifting point of view. Lots of retailers started to take really quite drastic action to minimize the risk of theft. You had companies like M&S reporting to be replenishing less meat onto the shelf to avoid mass theft. Companies like Iceland and Tesco were resorting to more security cases and more tags on everything from cheese through to milk. The co-op decided they would place dummy products, empty packaging for products like instant coffee onto shelf. And across the year, we've seen plenty of somewhat questionable initiatives, including locking products away so customers cannot access them without a store colleague in present. But this shrink and stock loss issue has not only, of course, been limited to the grocery industry. Companies like Office were rumoured to be only letting customers try one shoe on at a time to avoid customers running out of the store wearing a new pair of shoes. And whilst some of these examples I'm sure are one-off decisions or perhaps a particular initiative driven by a store manager or an area manager, they really demonstrate the extreme trading environment that all retailers are facing right now. And whilst new technology can help to reduce shrink, it remains a major challenge for operations, which either impacts the customer experience, the honest customer experience, or of course, the bottom line, and most often both of them. Also in June, interestingly, the John Lewis Partnership submitted planning applications for nearly 800 residential homes. And this is part of their ongoing transformation. Their chair has announced that they want to start building and renting homes out to consumers. And they've been steadily making progress on this. Although I personally feel this 
strategy will be up in the air given that Dame Sharon White has announced she will be standing down in 2025 or sooner. Shifting from a physical retailer, as iconic as John Lewis, into a house building company and a residential rental firm is a big transformation. And it has raised eyebrows and will continue to raise eyebrows across the industry for sure. So it'll be fascinating to see how this particular initiative evolves over the next couple of years for sure. In July, we went Barbie crazy with a huge set of different brand collaborations, takeovers and massive promotional activity. It was fascinating to see a movie where the marketing budget was bigger than the production budget. Bonkers. And there can't be that many consumers that haven't been exposed to the Barbie brand over the past six months. And as we go into 2024, it'll be interesting to see what other big movie franchises or even standalone films take Barbie's lead and decide to go big on marketing. Will we have the same effect? Interesting to see. Also in July, I was really interested to see that JD.com, the Chinese mega retailer, launched a new artificial intelligence called Chat Rhino. And Chat Rhino was focused on the retail sector and supply chains. It created an interface for companies to be able to automatically edit product images and prepare e-commerce listings and marketing assets. And this enables brands to quickly list products on JD's platform and across their ecosystem to get selling, not be held up by images, marketing copy, etc., etc. Live streaming and shoppable videos are, of course, huge in China. So it was also really fascinating to see that Chat Rhino recognized this and included the opportunity to create a digital presenter for live streaming or video content. And users can customize the image, the voices, the movements, the animations, backgrounds, and loads of different features and functions of this particular virtual presenter. And over the course of the year, with the explosion of AI, we've seen a number of different retailers starting to offer AI tools for suppliers, retail partners, and even other businesses as well. Whether it be, like I say, JD.com, Alibaba, and Amazon, great examples where they're using this technical capability. I'm sure you've heard the phrase, Amazon, etc., are a tech company, not a retail company. And this is a great demonstration of where the speciality and the focus lies for some of these big apex predators, as Doug Stevens would call them. In August, it was fascinating to see that in the US, Petco launched an app to help pet owners track the key information about their pets and make it easy to integrate with purchases and services. So as a user of the app, you could go in and you could find out more details about pet nutrition and wellness. You could add in all your vaccination details, grooming details, etc. And this is a great example of creating a really helpful tool for customers that embeds the brand and all of the propositions around the brand within the customer's life. And this is especially fantastic in such an emotionally important topic like pets. And this was a move that would also inspire pets at home to announce a similar app for their UK customers. 
And apps have been a big growth area. We've seen companies like M&S announce that their app customers are their most valuable customers, which is no surprise, of course, because once you have earned that digital pitch, should we say, in a customer's smartphone or other device, it makes it so much easier to go straight to your retail app, not to the Google search bar, the Amazon search bar, or an other app. In September, it was fascinating to see the launch of Supply Chain by Amazon. This is a new B2B service offering, allowing Amazon sellers to essentially delegate their full end-to-end logistics to Amazon. Up to now, Amazon have offered sellers the chance for FBA being fulfilled by Amazon, as well as other services that account for the warehouse storage, picking and dispatch to customers. But this service's scope is big and broad, and it includes everything from collecting inventory from the supplier's manufacturing sites. It includes cross-border shipping. It includes customs and duty payments, in-country logistics, ground transportation, managing store stock levels and replenishment inventory as well. And of course, it can be coupled in with all of their existing services, allowing pick and pack as well. Now, this upstream supply chain management is a major shift that will be a fantastic benefit for a number of smaller brands that, frankly, are not that passionate about supply chains. Whether it's a product entrepreneur, a small scale company, or even an overseas company, it means that you can piggyback on the scale of a larger company like Amazon whilst also just forgetting about it and concentrating on other aspects of the business. Now, if you were to start using Supply Chain by Amazon, as well as all of their other fulfillment services, it would be a hugely sticky proposition to work in this way. And it would be almost impossible to move away from working with Amazon in the future. So it will be fascinating to see where this particular initiative goes and whether Amazon start to take a greater and greater market share of that full end-to-end retail supply chain. And if we start to see, shall we say, traditionally large retailers use these functions as well and essentially outsource a number of different supply chain and distribution and even operational functions into a competitor slash a collaborator. Interesting angle there. And really, this is a big move, and it really underlines the importance of moving beyond the traditional business model, which was a topic I discussed on a podcast at around the same time in September. I'll include a link in that on the show notes at obandco.uk slash 269. But without further ado, let's move on to October. A couple of stories here. Tesco announced a number of new media channels to expand their advertising offering in terms of their retail media network. They'd been working closely with Dunhumby, their long-term partner, traditionally around club card and loyalty, but increasingly around customer data. This expanded retail media network includes both digital screens in store, as well as, interestingly, I believe maybe a world first, space on their Scanasy shop devices. So as a customer, you take one of the devices to scan as you shop as you walk around and you've got advertising space on that screen. And that will be dynamic and personalized because 
that particular unit is assigned to a very particular customer. So super relevant. And as you start to weigh in different network opportunities that could include more location services, suddenly you could create these dynamic ads that are relevant to where that customer is in the shop at any given moment in time. And if you're interested in understanding how aspects like the network and location services, then head on over to the show notes, obandco.uk slash 269. And I've got a couple of links there for you. The other news story from October was that the UK mobile network operator, EE, who had traditionally been providing phone contracts and smartphones, expanded to start offering consumer electronics via their new e-commerce site. And this was a clever way, I thought, of really staying aligned to customers through smart devices and moving into a smart home offering, essentially. And it's a great example, actually, of how fierce the competition is in the retail industry right now, and increasingly so. EE has never been a traditional competitor to consumer electronics, but it's moved adjacent and now is not a service provider, but a classic retailer as well. And they've got some big plans in terms of forecasts going forward. So it'll be interesting to see how that develops. In November, we have another AI example that was launched by the Kingfisher Group. And this is a virtual assistant to offer DIY and home improvement tips to customers. And it initially is a chat feature for their French customers using their Castorama brand. And the chat interface allows customers to ask questions in their own words about, you know, how do I install a basin? Or can you give me some painting tips? Or why is this product faulty, etc, etc. And this product is on trial for their French customers, but it's going to be expanded out to their full international group in, I would suggest, a matter of weeks from the time of recording this. But it will be really interesting, personally, I feel, to see how they adapt this particular AI for the different customer types that the Kingfisher Group has. You know, as an example, in the UK, they've got B&Q and Screwfix. Now, Screwfix is traditionally targeted more towards the professional tradesperson, whilst B&Q is targeted more towards the homeowner. And actually, the type of questions and the type of advice that is relevant to perhaps a novice homeowner that is starting out on their DIY journey compared to an expert plumber, electrician, carpenter, etc. That type of advice is going to be very different. So it'll be interesting to see how the chat intellect can be tailored towards those different customer types and segments. And then finally, into December. And the story that has caught my eye in December has been THG, the Hut Group, agreeing to acquire beauty brand Bioscience. And essentially, through their Ingenuity platform, they're able to instantly transform the business's finances and financial performance into profitability. And so they're able to acquire Bioscience for a really pretty cheap price. Because for many retailers, for many brands, for many private equity houses, it's just not that interesting because it's not that profitable. But actually for THG, by putting it onto their retail as a service offering, THG Ingenuity, they can quickly make a number of synergy cost savings, as well as instantly expand capabilities from their in-house expertise and their purposefully designed flexible operating model 
it allows companies like THG to quickly acquire and integrate companies and maximize the financial synergies in a matter of no time at all. And we've seen a number of different companies really going after this retail group model, in particular, Fraser's and Next in the UK. And as we go forward, and unfortunately, we'll see more distressed retail companies come onto the market for acquisition, for buyout, but still with some brand reputation, we'll see these companies, THG, Fraser's, Next, etc., buying up and integrating quickly because they have an operating model that is set up for this. It's set up specifically to help other brands operate with the same operating model, but a different customer proposition, maybe even a different business model. So it has this flexibility, this agility built in, as well as maximizing the opportunity for lean operations too. So a fascinating opportunity for companies that have this type of operating model or are ready to transform into this type of operating model. And there we have it. That was the year that was 2023. Wow. Where did time fly? I'd love to hear from you, though. What was your favorite story from the past 12 months? Maybe it was one of the featured stories from today's podcast episode. Maybe it was something else. There have been, like I say, so many stories and I couldn't cover them all today, unfortunately. Why not share this episode on LinkedIn with your favorite story? Or reach out to me by email oliver.banks at obandco.uk or find me on LinkedIn and send me a message there. 2023 seems to have zipped by in a flash, a real flash. For me, over the course of the last 12 months, I've loved writing my upcoming book, Driving Retail Transformation, How to Navigate Disruption and Change, as well as engaging a really fantastic group of beta readers to help improve the text. I can't wait to share this book with you. It's out in March, the 5th of March, 2024, and that is creeping up soon. So really excited to be able to tell you much more about that in the new year. And if you have supported me with that book already, maybe you've been a beta reader, maybe you have placed a pre-order and helped the book already achieve the number one spot on Amazon's hot new releases for retail books twice months before we even start selling books properly, then, you know, I'm hugely appreciative. So thank you very much. And thank you for tuning in as loyal podcast listeners over the past year as well. To say thank you, then you're going to want to be tuning in to the next episode, episode 270, because I've got a little Christmas gift to help put a smile on your face as we come to the close of this year. I won't reveal too much right now, but just make sure you do catch that episode because that's a once in a lifetime opportunity. (laughs) Anyway, thank you so much. Do remember to head on over to the show notes page at obandco.uk slash 269. There's tons more content to dive into some of these different stories, as well as other thought-provoking content to get you thinking differently about how the world of retail is evolving. So obandco.uk slash 269. We're going to wrap this one up right now. Thank you so much for tuning in. Do hit subscribe if you're new to the podcast. And I'll look forward to catching you in another episode very, very soon. Bye for now.